Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 126. And today we're going to be talking about Project MK Ultra, the CIA mind control program. It is so, so interesting. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet. We've definitely, ta- you know, referenced it a few times, but we've never done a full episode on it. So we're really excited to dive into it today. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to it. And, you know, there's so many crazy things that our government and intelligent agencies were doing on innocent people really mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And just, I can't believe they got away with this for so long. And I know just the thought of maybe this is still going on today and it's just under some other, you know, acronym or something is, is kind of scary to think about as well, but Definitely. I'm very excited to dive deep into this, but we also have a few news stories, big things that happened this week. But before we get into those news topics, Janelle and Kendall released their first episode of the sesh on Sunday. Yes, we did. It is up on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. If you want to watch the video version, we have a sign just like Mile Higher and everything. You'll have to go check out our studio vibes for when we're recording. Really cute. Yeah, it turned out really good. We're happy with it for sure. And our first episode was on a variety of viral topics and just our opinions. It's a little bit of commentary. However, we are going to switch it up a lot on the sesh. It's going to be a variety show. So we'll be covering so many different things and you never really know what to expect. But if you're interested in that type of stuff, we will link it below. And we also want to thank you guys for the overwhelming amount of support we had before we even launched the first episode. Um, We had like a few thousand subscribers right away and followers and stuff. So thank you guys so much. It's been really awesome to get your guys' feedback and hear how excited you are because we are just as excited as you. Yeah, I was actually there for your guys' first episode and I got to say I was very impressed and yeah, I can't wait to see what everybody else thinks of, of your guys' podcast. So Josh is working our cameras for us. I was. Yeah. I'm kind of standing in for the time being. But yeah, it's really exciting that you guys have another show. And Mile Higher just in general is another show. We now have three podcasts. So mm-hmm. plenty of content out there in case you're, you know, you're home bored or, mm-hmm. you know, you need something to listen to in the car. You've got three different shows that you should go subscribe to. But let's go ahead and get into our first news story. This one is absolutely tragic and completely yeah. just took... I think all of us back a bit when we woke up and we found out the news in Beirut on August 4th, um, the Lebanese capital, there was a huge explosion that occurred um, and almost like a a bombing and Mm -hmm. the way that it looked and it just was absolutely devastating, leveled a whole area um, near their main seaport there Mm -hmm. Um, and 78 people end up dying and thousands are injured. And I believe they're still looking for survivors now because it's just an absolute mess. I'm sure the number's higher than that, I'd imagine. But it's so scary looking at the footage from it. We're not going to play it on here because I'm sure most of you have seen it. But it's just to see something like that happen in current time, that big of an explosion and Mm -hmm. how it rippled through the buildings in such a populated area was just like, yeah. Wow, that was crazy. And then there was so much misinformation going around at first. People said it was from a firework factory. Which would make no sense, really. Yeah, I was like, what are they having a firework factory that could cause something like that? But we quickly found out that it was actually because there was 2,750 tons of ammonium nitrate stored near the city's cargo port. And because there was a fire burning in this area, it ended up reaching this area with all of that ammonium nitrate and just turned it into essentially like a huge bomb. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, when you think about the magnitude of this explosion, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, for example, the Oklahoma City bombing was two tons right. of ammonium nitrate, and that completely decimated half of a, a building, a large, a large skyscraper type building. So, yeah. just do the math on that: two tons versus two thousand seven hundred and fifty. That's insane. Five hundred tons of TNT is what it, the blast was equivalent to. It's really hard to imagine what that type of force would feel like, or. It would be like to be anywhere near that. I mean, I've never experienced anything, so I can't imagine. But just watching the videos of like windows breaking in cars and in apartments, how fast how fast it just moved and rippled backwards. Sorry, it just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, the footage that people were uploading to the internet on Twitter and everything, I'm sure many of you saw, is just crazy. I mean, yeah. I can't even imagine. Like people were just driving their cars down the highway yeah. and then they were had their phone just filming, mm-hmm. you know, the explosion as it happened. And then all of a sudden you just see this like force of I don't even know what you call it, debris, smoke, whatever it is, comes f- just yeah, booming force. towards them and just completely decimates their car. And I mean and there was like a mushroom cloud almost. I mean yeah. not a full on one, but Almost. Yeah. I mean, it looked like a, a large yeah, bomb had just gone off. And really I, I think my first thought was like something, mm-hmm. you know, somebody bombed that area. Like I think a lot there of was a attack of some sort in the city. And I mean, they still haven't ruled that out yet. They're still looking to try to figure out what exactly, you know, happened because ammonium nitrate like that doesn't just like go off. And it's very weird how it sort of all went down. And even the Lebanese prime minister is, uh, they're holding like 20 people, I believe, on mm. like house arrest, and Got they're it. still investigating it because they obviously are going to hold whoever, you know, just had this is completely yeah. careless to have this much ammonium mm. nitrate all sitting together, you know, in the seaport there. It wasn't being handled properly. Mm. So, near a ton of apartment buildings and restaurants. Yeah. Just ridiculous. This is extremely dangerous. I mean, you got to take these chemicals really seriously because they're yeah. extremely flammable and, and explosive. So. so it's possible someone purposely set yeah. it off. Yeah. We still don't know. They're investigating it. I mean, it could have been attacked for all we know. They're actually checking out satellite images to see if there was actually any missiles in the air. I mean, you, if you think about it, it all happened so fast and you know, there was that fire burning and then literally like a few seconds later, it just out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because it really felt like it was some type of targeted thing because of just how, you know, the magnitude of everything exploding all happened at once versus like boom, 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 boom type of yeah, thing. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying, yeah. But it was just like boom, like something actually hit this area and then just, you know, blasted. And I mean, I don't know for sure what happened, but we'll have to wait and see what they, they find out because they're definitely investigating it. And I'm sure more will come out in mm-hmm. time, but absolutely devastating and obviously our thoughts are with all those mm-hmm. that are dealing with the aftermath of this and those that lost loved ones or mm-hmm. you know if you were wounded or injured in it like definitely our thoughts and prayers are with you guys because i can't even imagine that happening here yeah. like that just be well and lebanon's really struggling as it is and there's a lot of really poor people there the wealth gap is extremely set there's like no middle class now there's so much poverty and a lot of people i mean one thing that is huge is that they're not able to get grain now because their port has exploded. It it causes tons of logistical issues. So they're going to have a lot of trouble rebuilding from this. And I do believe the U S is going to be helping Trump said he was going to send aid to them. I think I'm not sure if that's beneficial yet, but hopefully we do because they're going to need the help. But if you're able to help, we will link um, a place to donate that is reputable. It's a disaster relief fund. And that will make sure it goes directly to the people of the city. 
Yeah, absolutely. They can use all the help they can get, especially those that are wounded and, you know, need surgeries and everything else. Or their living space is completely blown to smithereens. Yeah. Or they just need the essentials. Yeah. So yeah, very, very sad. I mean, it's like 2020 just been the craziest year on record. It's exhausting. It's like every week every week we have something major happen you know in one way or another it feels like every day yeah yeah it really does like every day you go on twitter and Mm -hmm. something's going on yeah yeah absolutely crazy but the next story is about mysterious chinese seed packets that are showing up in people's mail all over the u.s this This is is very interesting (laughs) so there pretty much every state in the u.s has reported uh people that have been receiving random seeds showing up from china in their mailboxes and some of these packages are labeled with stud earrings that's probably what they would feel like through the I wonder package if we've received any hmm. i haven't I've, I've gotten seeds in the mail i don't know if they've ever just been sent to me though yeah well it's weird the the thing that's weird about it is that it's like they're disguising mm-hmm. these seeds as something else in order to get them through customs I actually saw someone doing this on TikTok before I knew that this was an actual story. They were just like, these random seeds came in the mail from China and I planted them and, you know, follow me to find out what happens. And they are like growing them. Now it makes sense that this is a whole scam. So this is called a brushing scam, which is where a company sends unsolicited packages to people and then posts fake customer reviews under the orders to boost their sales. Seems like a really weird way to do this. Yeah. Why do you need to send a package at all? Well, they could send something with like a like a spoon in it or a piece of plastic. Like, why are they sending seeds? Because obviously that's a concern that this could be an invasive species, something that could mess up our ecosystem. And you're really not supposed to order, you know, seeds that are not verified to be in this area. So if you get seeds from China, don't plant them and report it to the Department of Agriculture so that they can investigate it and make sure that it's nothing that's going to harm the ecosystem. What's interesting is people who have planted it are saying that they're like some weird type of squash. Maybe they're just squash. I don't know. But they're coming. They have flowers and they grow like a squash. Hmm. I don't know. Very strange. Very, very strange times that we're in. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But let's go ahead and get started talking about MK Ultra. I just want to talk about weirdness. This is some weird shit. So we will be back after a quick word from our sponsors. So on this podcast, we've talked a lot about top secret government programs, top secret military programs, you know, with UFOs and, you know, other things they've Blue done in beam. space, Blue Beam. Yeah, lots of, of space UFO stuff. But mm-hmm. we haven't really touched much on Project MK Ultra and some of the other programs that the CIA has had. Well, we talked about the Montauk Project. Yeah, we so did. So we did yep. get into MKUltra a little bit in that. We did. So I'm sure you guys have heard us talk about it at least a few times. Yeah. Or if you've ever seen the show Stranger Things, they took yes. a lot of inspiration from Project MKUltra and Project Montauk as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, if you've ever seen any of that, you know that the the primary sort of theme with this project was mind control. The government wanted to figure out if there was a way to be able to mind control somebody with drugs. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what MK ultra is all about is using drugs in order to find a way to essentially brainwash a person and then make them do your bidding. It's a very evil project in a lot of ways. It was actually formed as a response to suspicions that other countries were developing their own mind control programs 
During the Korean War from 1915 to 1953, the U.S. believed that American prisoners of war were being tortured, including through forms of mind control. In 1953, the Cold War was only just beginning. The U.S. feared that Soviet, North Korean, and Chinese spies would use mind control tactics that they were developing during the Korean War against American soldiers. So just first off, let's think about this for a minute. So it's interesting that as far back as, you know, 1950, they were already trying to figure out how to mind control people. Mm -hmm. Like where, where did this idea even come from? And honestly, I'm a little skeptical that we weren't also doing it before. Um, I feel like it's always an excuse. Yeah. You know, there's always something like, well, they were doing it. So we had to do it to protect soldiers. To justify yeah. their actions. Who knows if they weren't already doing it as well. I mean, we don't know when this actually started. I believe that this whole idea of mind control and like hacking consciousness at the end of the day, cause that's really what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Mind control is being yeah. able to control someone's consciousness. Ooh, that's scary. Consciousness hacking. Yeah. It's a scary idea. So, I mean, that goes back as far as like Edison Tesla days, you go back to the early Mm -hmm. 1900s, they were trying to do things like that. So Mm -hmm. it does make you think that perhaps the government probably already had secret mind control programs Mm -hmm. way before 1950. But like you said to be like, that's when we started it, guys. And it was because the other people were doing it. So that's what our government always does. I mean, maybe that's the truth, but that's why we need to spend like. 800 gazillion dollars on (laughs) military funding. I mean, that's what they always say is they justify it. Like we got to protect our country and you know, we got to protect the world and everything else. And And yeah, but so much of it goes to secret projects like this. Right. Yeah. In fact, there was $25 million that was put towards project MK ultra, which at the time, $25 million. I mean, that's more, probably more like $250 million. That's Mm, a lot mm -hmm. of money taxpayer money most likely that's going to this top secret program that ends up literally torturing people. Mm -hmm. So the official start of the program was in 1953 and the program actually lasted for over 20 years. The CIA has conducted countless human experiments to identify which drugs and procedures could effectively accomplish mind control. MK ultra likely involved at least 185 researchers conducting experiments and at least 149 sub-projects around the world. That's a lot. And secret drug testing on thousands of Americans. How absurd is that? And how many people actually know about that? That's fact. Yeah, that's a legitimate fact that they were Mm -hmm. seriously studying this, uh, and they were obviously putting a lot of resources and mind power into this. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, clearly it was a very big priority for them at the time. Like, they needed to figure this out because either they truly believe that you know, our enemies were, were accomplishing this and what would happen if, you know, their spies and the enemy gets this ability before we do. I mean, Mm -hmm. the U S never wants to be in a vulnerable position like that. So we've got to always stay ahead of the curve there. Or are there other reasons that they wanted to be able to use mind control? Yeah. I mean, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you can run wild with this one because obviously, I mean, we've talked about it, about Mm -hmm. brainwashing the population and everything else. And I mean, this is a much different form, I believe, of mind control. It's more subtle than, you know, injecting all of us with, you know, drugs in order for us to become Mm -hmm. mind controlled like Project MKUltra. But maybe this was like the start. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's progressed since then Mm -hmm. and they're much better about it and it's more subtle and we don't even notice it. Well, think about how many projects they had 149 sub projects. They, there definitely could have been a few that are just on basic mind control or subliminal messaging. Right. You know, it could be, you know, just other forms of it. It might not Mm -hmm. be just the drugs trying to use drugs to do it. Mm -hmm. And when you think about this, we obviously know that, 
Project MK Ultra is no longer running now. That we know of. That we know of. Under it the might, name MK Ultra. Right, under the name MK Ultra. Yeah. But perhaps there's these sub projects that are still operating mm-hmm. around the world, which I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, at the time, though, only a few top-ranking people in the CIA were even aware that MKUltra was happening. So. Super, super top secret. Yeah, like, they was. kept this really under wraps. In fact, the new CIA director in 1961, John McCone, wasn't even aware it existed for two years. That's what's crazy, I think, that a lot of people can't really wrap their heads around is the mm-hmm. heads of these mm-hmm. major intelligence agencies, the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, the president, yeah. don't even know about these top secret programs. They don't have clearance for everything. Yeah. That's what a lot of people don't know is there's actual different levels of clearance. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes the people in these top secret programs have higher security clearance than even the president has or the head of the organization has. That's how compartmentalized our intelligence agencies are in the military is. So during this episode, we'll be talking quite a bit about hallucinogenic drugs like LSD, heroin, ecstasy, methamphetamine, because all of them were used and tested Mm -hmm. on thousands of Americans in order to try and figure out if they could use these drugs at extremely high doses, mind you, in order to mind control them. Mm -hmm. Because one of the reasons why they wanted to do this is they wanted to figure out which of these drugs they could use in order to create some kind of true serum in order to force people to confess crimes or other government secrets. You know, if you're a spy and you're able to use this truth serum on your enemy, it's not so secret. evil. The truth. Yeah, serum. it does. It, and it, I just like, I have a hard time believing that that's like yeah. the main reason it's why diabolical sounding, why they did this program. I mean, I guess it makes sense because you want your intelligence agency to, you know, have that ability to administer a true serum. But I feel like there's just so many other reasons for it. But there was actually similar secret experimental drug programs that were conducted by the CIA in the past, such as Project Bluebird, which was launched in 1949, and it tested the effects of various drugs on unconsenting prisoners and soldiers the further the CIA's research into mind control. So there you go. I mean, they were already doing it before Project MKUltra. And then there was Project Artichoke, which solely focused on discovering an effective truth serum. Yep. Artichoke. Artichoke. These names, I'm just like, who... How does that go down? Like I know, in curious. their meeting, like, all right, guys, we're going to call this. Well, I think they all submit it. Remember in that, uh, McDonald's documentary about the conspiracy, they were, they all had to submit their names and then they like pulled out of a hat, which one they were going to use or something, or they <laughs> narrowed them down. That somehow. wouldn't surprise me. That's just something random. Like everyone that. in the group yeah. gets to get, you know, gets a vote. Yeah. <laughs> But not only were those psychedelic drugs used, paralytic drugs, electroshock therapy were also used in experiments, and these methods were employed to develop strategies for psychological torture, uh, which is very, very scary. I mean, some of the images that are out there uh, that come out of MK Ultra are very, very frightening They're for sure. Very scary. People are hooked up to all of this craziness. They've got mm-hmm. things going in their nose, their mouth, their eyes. <laughs> They're hooked up to all these different things, receiving electric shock therapy they call it but human experiments were conducted between 1953 to 1964 at hospitals universities or prisons mostly in the u.s and canada some experiments were conducted in prisons across europe and east asia with most of them in germany japan or the philippines so that's how global this project was i mean it wasn't just all happening here in the u.s it was literally all over the world we were doing this which gives me even more of a reason to think this has not stopped there's no way everyone in the world just stopped doing mind control experiments just because it's not ethical. No way. They're still doing this. 
Yeah. And I mean, it just, I have a hard time buying the official explanation for it was just to be able to control people's thoughts and actions and, mm-hmm. you know, get them to confess to things like yeah. it's, they really try to package this up as like, mm-hmm. they were just trying to find a true serum so that we could use this for, for war yeah, for helping our defense us. and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. I just, I don't I really buy it. The CIA also worked with the U S army's biological warfare laboratories and the office of scientific intelligence. And despite the collaboration of multiple U S intelligence agencies and the military, many human experiments conducted through MK ultra were illegal. All of MK ultra's experiments were kept secret from the public for obvious reasons. And when it came to who they experimented on, there were some volunteers, but many of the subjects did not consent to participate in any of the experiments, which is insane. And illegal. Yeah, very (laughs) illegal. Now, I just wanted to quickly pull something up. Janelle, can you look this up? There's, I don't know if it's still on YouTube because it was on there years ago, but there are these interviews of people who have been experimented on in MKUltra and they all sound very similar. A lot of them look really similar. I remember when I covered it, a lot of people were like these, everyone that was in the experiments kind of looks the same. It's really weird. Their nose shapes and face shapes. Uh, We'll have to check some of it out. As a citizen of Canada, I demand that President Clinton mandate a presidential inquiry of mind control experimentation. My name is Lynn Monsharman. I was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia, 1947. I was subjected to mind control experimentation during the Cold War era in the 1950s. My name is Mary. I was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1948. Throughout my childhood, I was subjected to child abuse in the form of experimentation. As a citizen of the United States, I demand that there be an investigation into this matter. It hurt me, and it did terrible damage to my life. And as a citizen of the United States of America, I demand that the President of the United States appoint an advisory committee to look into mind control projects that were done by the government. And I would urge strongly that they form another committee as soon as possible focusing just on mind control, especially since it was done to children, innocent children. It's time now that people in America and all over the world become more aware of the the many thousands, if not larger numbers of victims of people that have been used in mind control experimentation. And I personally was used um, for many years until I had an accident and began recovering memory of the ways that I was used within our governments and abroad the truth, you know. Interesting, huh? It looks like that's been taken off of YouTube. Yeah, no, I, I and that's the thing is like, I, I did look for victims testimonies and specifically, and you really can't find much, even just on the internet in general. Yeah, that's Like crazy. I've went through pages and pages and either it's hidden really well by the search engines or they've just completely removed it. I know YouTube has purged a ton of this have. top secret government stuff from and just from conspiracy their content. Yeah, that's really weird though. I mean, the you brought up to me that they kind of look alike the victims do. Either they were chosen because they all look alike, they wanted like a control that's during possible. the experiment, so maybe they wanted similar facial structures because again, like a lot of those pictures those electroshock therapy or whatever the hell they're doing, those mm-hmm. devices that they hooked up to their heads 
maybe they like fit them for a certain face structure or something. I don't know. Maybe. It's really weird. I mean, I didn't even notice it when I was editing the video, but then I remember putting it up and so many comments were talking about how their noses looked alike and they all look similar and maybe they're related. I don't, I really don't know. I don't know what to think of that. It's really scary that one of those people said that this happened in her childhood too. Yeah. I mean, they, they were doing it on kids. It's yeah. Sick. Yeah. It's really sad to think about how that could affect you, you know, and it's easy to hear these numbers like, oh, there was, you know, tons of people that were tested on. But to really think about how that could affect your life and what that would do to you, it's really sad to think about, especially if you didn't consent to it or didn't even know you were being experimented on. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, that that's the most alarming thing to me is like, first of all, why kids? Yeah. How, what does that have to do with, you know, spies needing a true serum in order to extract exactly. information from somebody? There's more to it. What is that all about? That doesn't make any sense. And yeah, I mean, it seems like they took a wide range of different victims, you yeah. know, men, women, and children and tested on all the above. I mean, it, it makes, it keeps making me think of like stranger things where they like abduct yeah. children from a young yeah. age. And like you hear all the time about, you know, whistleblowers that have been in these mm -hmm. programs, these top secret programs. And they're like, yeah, I was in there as a kid or for yeah. 20 years. And I finally got out and, you know, I remember some things, but they attempted to erase my memory and things like that. And I think a lot of us is like, oh, that's crazy. Whatever. There's no way that that's going on, but it is, it really it's is a sad reality. That's really frightening to think about. So MK Ultra officially ended in quotations in 1973. Seymour Hirsch, who was a journalist for the New York Times, published a story in 1974 that exposed the details of the CIA's spying operation and illegal human experiments going on against American citizens. And this article got a lot of attention, actually, and it prompted President Ford to launch the President's Commission on the CIA activities within the United States. And this was led by... Vice President Nelson Rockefeller. This led to a congressional investigation in 1975 and the development of the Church Committee. Senator Frank Church led the committee in an investigation of the illegal activity of U.S. intelligence agencies, including the CIA and MKUltra. The investigation led to President Ford's executive order in 1976 that prohibited experimentation with drugs on human subjects except with informed consent in writing and witnessed by a disinterested party of each such human subject. Witness testimony and the few records that did exist prove that the CIA was involved in illegal activities and in countries all over the world. The details of these illicit human experiments were pretty shocking. So let's get into that. So this is probably the craziest thing about MKUltra is that the amount of evidence of this program and documents that actually kept, you know, logs and track of everything that went on within this program was completely destroyed. And so we don't have a ton of information as far as who was all involved with it, because even though they found that illegal activities were going on, nobody who participated in it that we know of doctors that administered this experimental test on people were ever charged with anything. There was uh -oh. no criminal charges that came from this investigation that went on. They just sort of you know, created that executive order that for the future, you know, we, we won't do this. So with that being said, we're going to be talking about two different doctors that administered experimental tests during project MK ultra. The first doctor is Dr. Donald Cameron, who is the first chairman of the world psychiatric association and president of both American and Canadian psychiatric associations. So definitely had a lot of influence over this program. That's for sure. And he was working on a concept called psychic driving 
and he hypothesized that schizophrenia could be cured by erasing the memories of patients and reprogramming their minds. The CIA believed Dr. Cameron's work could be useful for Project MKUltra, so he was recruited in the 1940s, nearly a decade before the official start of the program. The CIA sanctioned his research and planned to use his findings to further their mind control experiments. So in addition to experimenting with drugs and hypnosis, Dr. Cameron also used electric shock therapy called electroconvulsive therapy or ECT to administer at 30 to 40 times the standard power. So right there is clearly an issue. Now, Phyllis Goldberg was Dr. Cameron's patient at the Allen Memorial Institute. Phyllis was a vibrant, outgoing 19-year-old who was training to become a nurse. She went to the Institute in 1945 for treatment for mild depression, and she ended up leaving with lifelong trauma and permanent cognitive impairment. So while in Dr. Cameron's care, Phyllis received electroshock therapy, and this involves electrical stimulation of the brain, and it's used as a last resort for patients with severe major depression or bipolar disorder. Treatments are performed with a full medical team, including an anesthesiologist and a psychiatrist. However, electroshock therapy was not the appropriate treatment option for Phyllis because her symptoms were mild and there was other treatment options that they could have tried first. And while she was staying at the Institute, Phyllis had the cognitive function of an infant. She couldn't take care of herself and she relied on others for essential tasks like getting dressed. She also couldn't communicate, but she would occasionally laugh for no reason. She would wince whenever someone touched her head and she also walked very unusually. She ended up dying in 2011 and spent the last 20 years of her life in a vegetative state at an institution. So right there is obviously a major issue and honestly, his actions were criminal in a lot of ways. I mean, he applied electroshock therapy to somebody with mild depression symptoms <sighs> idiot, and ended up putting her in a veg- vegetative state for the rest of her life. It's so terrible hearing these types of stories, you know, just major lack of education, but not only that, pushing people so far without actually knowing if it's actually helping. Like, I'm just surprised at how many things doctors and psychiatrists were able to do on patients without having it, you know, run through a certain amount of testing. And I mean, has that process changed a lot? Oh yeah. Huge. They used to do crazy experiments back in the day on people and use people like, like as guinea pigs really like as objects to test on. Um, but that's certainly not the case anymore. How have they changed it? Well, for one, they don't do the types of exper- these types of experiments on mm-hmm. people. You know, we do it on animals, if anything. And when there are, you know, humans involved in experiments, you get full consent and you're fully disclosed and what to expect and the possible outcomes and what could happen. If at any time you want to, you know, you just change your mind, decide you want to get out, you have every right to, you know, immediately leave and they owe you nothing. And so this is not how it is at all anymore. Thank God, because it's bad. And there's lots of examples of people being treated terribly in, in old experiments. Well, and electroshock therapy just yeah. went away completely right? Yeah, because and they saw no, no positive results from that. But how has the process changed as far as getting a therapy or a form of therapy through the system to actually be able to use on patients? Like getting a new form of therapy, you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how? I mean, it seemed like they were just figuring it out as they go, you know, using electroshock therapy on people. They didn't really know that that was actually going to help. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of things 
you know, now it's like, oh, well, back then we didn't know any better and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And our research wasn't strong enough. And so, yeah, it makes you wonder if there's therapies that they're using now that in 20 years they'll look back and be like, oh, that was a mistake to use. Or, you know, mm. we have something so much better now. So yeah, I guess true. it is all kind of relative, but I would, you know, confidently, confidently say that it's the best it's ever been. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. Well, as far as we know, I mean, if you're yeah, a conspiracy theorist, right. you probably think they're still doing these experiments. And I think it's possible. I mean, I don't really trust the CIA. Well, so. you got to think about it too. Like how far do they want to push the boundary? Mm-hmm. You know, so much of, of new discoveries is, you know, testing something and then seeing what happens. And you got to think that there are programs still that want to achieve, you know, pretty much in a lot of people's minds, the impossible. So how do you achieve the impossible if you're not able to actually test on a human subject and you know, like if you were to go to somebody and say, Hey, we are doing mind control experiments. We're trying to do this for X, Y, and Z. Would you sign up and give your consent to do so? And, but in order to do this and be a subject, there is a possibility you could end up in a vegetative state if if it doesn't work. Right. But who's going to say, Oh yeah, I'll sign up for that. I'll take the risk. You know, not, not too many people out there are going to do that. So what they end up having to do is do it without consent and go kind of, you know, under the table illegally. And do yeah, this. I was going to say, which is wildly illegal and you can get in a lot of trouble yeah, doing that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, people get busted all the time for doing illegal operations and right. medical procedures and whatnot, like, you know, back alley this or whatever. So mm-hmm. you got to think that the government is probably has programs like that still going on. Yeah, I would think so. So another patient of Dr. Cameron's was Nancy Layton, and she was also a teenager who suffered from mild depression. Okay, I I just want to think about that for a second, because a a teenager suffering from mild, what is even mild depression? What is mild depression? Is there is so there's mild depression, there's different levels of depression. Yeah, there's different levels of depression that you can be diagnosed with. And I guess, you know, I don't think mild depression is necessarily like a specific diagnosis in the DSM, but it's, I think, you know, it's kind of like a spectrum of depression. You have folks who are depressed clinically, but are able to live their lives and are able to manage it through therapy or medicine or whatever. And then you have people who are severely depressed and it's debilitating and they, you know, can't do daily functions. So I think that, you know, a teenager who has mild depression, I think is, that's a pretty common thing. I would say it's really not anything Oh, wow. You know, that's pretty unheard of. No, no, Uh, not at all. Maybe I guess more back then because depression in general was not nearly as understood. And I think in order to have quote depression back then you had to be like really fucked up or really Mm -hmm. upset or have gone through something really bad. So maybe that's what they were thinking. But I mean, geez, mild depression certainly does not call for this call for electroshock therapy. And they did six months of that with her and she ended up developing acute schizophrenia. Wow. That's a result. And by 1957, the CIA was paying Dr. Cameron directly to conduct illegal experiments for their project. He ended up receiving $69,000 over seven years, which is the equivalent of $642,435 in today's money. Wow. Literally getting paid to illegally test on these poor teenage women. That's wild. In addition to electroshock therapy, Dr. Cameron experimented with paralytic and hallucinogenic drugs. He would force some people into drug-induced comas and then play the same audio-recorded messages on repeat for days. One subject was even kept in a coma for three months. The results of these experiments on patients were devastating. Amnesia and shocking changes in personality were common, as well as physical symptoms like the lack of voluntary control over 
uh, your bowels basically. So uh, I just like, it's just clearly this is all experimental. I mean, it's like, and, and they're not, it's not like they're seeing positive results with anything, any subject no. here. It's just all negative, but yet they continue doing it because he's getting paid. I mean, he's literally getting paid by the CIA to do these, these tests. Could you imagine being on like a hallucinogenic trip and then have like you're forced to trip and then you're also being forced to listen to the same audio recording. Like that's got to be the scariest thing it ever. Really if would. you're tripping on psychedelics yeah. and then you're having a, you know, a bad trip, basically that's terrible for, for days straight or oh you're in a gosh. coma. I can't imagine sounds anything. So worse. scary. It sounds so scary. Talk about trauma. Yeah. For real. And you got to think too, it's probably not like, enjoyable things to listen to it's no, not like no. they put on some no they want to see the music. effects of you reacting to that right i mean it does see how it does in a way give you mind control by mm -hmm. just causing the person to go insane and and uh -huh. just lose their mind they lose their mind to the point where they don't know anything but what's right there the person doing the experiment and controlling that recorded message. I mean, messing with someone's consciousness and ruining their mind and who they are or affecting their personality is to me almost as bad as murdering them because you're taking such a huge part of them and what makes them who they are. It is. It's straight up murdering. It's like murdering your soul in a yeah. lot of way. If you think, mm -hmm. if you believe in the soul, then a lot, you would probably believe the soul and the consciousness are, and you know, either one in the same or they're connected. Mm -hmm. And so if you take somebody's consciousness away from them and they end up in a vegetative state, then that person is essentially gone. Yeah. I mean, all you're left with is the, the human flesh and that's it. I feel like it's almost like the purest form of torture really It is, it is like slowly sucking someone's life out of them. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah, terrible. That's, that's literally what project MK ultra was. And that's how evil it was. I mean, they were Sick. literally killing people mm -hmm. legally. Well, not Sick. legally, but, under the mm -hmm. you know guidance of the CIA. It just makes you wonder about what else we just haven't even found mm -hmm. out about yet yeah. that they're doing. I know. And that there's no proof of. There's theories about, but there's no proof or evidence, you know. But you got to wonder, man. Yeah. You really do. I mean, it's just so sad that all these people lost their memories of their loved ones, including their parents even. That's terrible. Now that is truly yeah. evil. Yeah. And then so much so that they thought the researchers conducting the experiments were their parents. Imagine getting to that point. Wow. That's no kind of like the Stanford prison experiment when the yeah. um, you know fake prisoners kind of were all of a sudden convinced that the guards were real and then the guards were convinced that they were real. And you, when you're in a mind fuck like that, you can really start getting becoming convinced of crazy shit. When you've been broken down to a when certain point. When you've been point. broken down, yeah. Yeah. Wait till you hear about Dr. Gottlieb. Dr. Gottlieb is way worse than Dr. Cameron is. But before we talk about him, we'd like to thank our last sponsors for today. So Dr. Sidney Gottlieb was a poison expert and chemist who spearheaded the official start of the MK Ultra project through the use of LSD and other physical and psychological tortures. He believed total mind control could be achieved through a two-step process. The first step was wiping out a person's existing psyche and what's frightening is that he was able to achieve this step fairly successfully in many patients. The second step, however, proved to be much more difficult. After erasing the person's mind, Dr. Gottlieb sought to replace what was destroyed with new memories, beliefs, and personality traits. And this would allow for total control over the person's thoughts and actions. And this guy was so ruthless and so evil that it actually earned him the nickname, the Black Sorcerer. So up until this point, 
lysergic acid diethylamide, or LSD, had not been introduced to the American culture. It was first synthesized by chemists working at Switzerland's Sandoz Industries in 1938, and the hallucinogenic effects weren't discovered until 1943. Now, Dr. Gottlieb believed LSD was the key to erasing someone's memories, implanting new memories, and embedding secret messages in a person's mind. That just sounds like something we are not supposed to do as humans. Just no. There's so much wrong with that. The ultimate goal of this combination was to successfully program a person's mind to assassinate an enemy without conscious thought or moral objections, which I have a hard time even believing that that was the goal. Mm -hmm. I think there's a much more sinister goal in play there. Of course there is. But Dr. Gottlieb is credited as bringing... What's interesting is that Dr. Gottlieb is actually credited as the person who brought LSD to the U.S. In fact, in the early 1950s, he coordinated the CIA's purchase of the entire supply of LSD throughout the world for $240,000. That's a lot of LSD. That is. He then sent large amounts of the drug around the country, recruiting other healthcare workers to administer it to patients under false pretenses. Dr. Gottlieb claimed it was research for various foundations, but these foundations were just fronts operated by the CIA. Now, if you don't really know what LSD is or you've never taken LSD before, it's a psychedelic drug and it produces temporary symptoms similar to psychosis that typically lasts between six and 10 hours. These ultra perceptions and sense of unreality are commonly called a trip. And this is coming from a, like a drug abuse website, by the way. So some of the other side effects of taking LSD include visual hallucinations, amplification of sensations like sounds and smells, distorted sense of time, blending of senses such as seeing sounds or hearing colors, sensation of the mind leaving the body, impulsive behavior, quickly shifting emotions, as well as mystical or religious sensation. So all these side effects are described via academic terms and you know everybody has a different experience with LSD. It also really depends on the dosage that you do. And in the particular case of Dr. Gottlieb is that his thing was he would administer extremely high doses, which is going to could absolutely put somebody into psychosis or cause them to have a bad trip as we've been saying. And by taking a high dose, it would increase the number of side effects you have as well as the actual intensiveness of the side effect. So Dr. Gottlieb recognized that the lab results would be different than real world applications of secretly dosing people with LSD. So he started a series of experiments to compensate for this drawback. First, LSD was given to entire departments within the CIA. People were paired up and placed in a room together for hours after being willingly drugged. Imagine uh, that workplace, man. You were just like, all right, you're going to go get in a room with Joey. You're both going to take some acid (laughs) and we're going to watch you watch you guys trip together. And that's what they would do. And outside people would be taking notes and watching what people would do under again, high, high doses of LSD. I mean, they were pushing the boundaries from what a normal dose of LSD would be in order to see, you know, what would happen. I can't imagine that tripping in a experimental environment would be, that would just instantly be scary no matter what you're doing there. I feel like that's like, it's so much worse inside. Yeah, it really is. It definitely is. I mean, the fact that they only did this inside, they didn't go outside yeah. to do this at all is oh, it freaks me out. Either they knew that this was going to create a, a, a poor experience or they didn't know that outside no, it might knew. be different. Yeah, they knew I feel like exactly they knew too. what it would do. So then Dr. Gottlieb enhanced his methods and anyone he came into contact with was a potential subject, including visitors and colleagues. 
people were drugged randomly and the resulting acid trips were observed and studied. One employee drank coffee that was spiked with LSD. Can you imagine you're just at work and all of a sudden it just, you start coming up Yeah, and you're like, Oh, Holy what shit. is happening? Your computer starts looking insane. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what's in my coffee? Today? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think the creamer has gone bad. Guys. <laughs> but think about if you did not know that your coffee was spiked with LSD and all of a sudden you're experiencing all these crazy things are happening. Things are moving. Mm-hmm. Things are coming alive. There's patterns. There's all this stuff happening. You might think that you're literally going insane. You'd probably be freaking yeah. the fuck out. Be like, what's going on? I yeah. mean, what, what happened thinking to me? You're having like possibly some type of like mental episode yeah. or like a seizure even. Yeah. And if you had never experienced it, you would just be like, what is happening to me? But apparently this guy ended up running through the streets, terrified of the monsters. He said oh that he saw gosh. in every car driving by poor guy and the mix of the caffeine of the coffee. Oh, <sighs> not good. Not good. I don't understand how this is valuable research for them. Don't they know that this is going to produce this effect? And like, like somebody's yeah. going to trip out if you give them a high dose of LSD and they don't even know it. Of course, they're going to start thinking something mm-hmm. like something happened to reality. Yeah. And you, they had no idea. And maybe they've never even heard of LSD or they've never even mm-hmm. known about it. Like if you gave somebody LSD that never even had an inkling or heard of it before, they're probably going to have a crazy ass experience because they're going to be wondering the entire time what's going on. Yeah. You're probably yeah. thinking you're like dying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah have a full on anxiety attack. Yeah. You literally start losing track of reality. Like, That's why it's so weird that on? they were willing to just, you know, do this to their own employees and weren't afraid of what could possibly happen. You know, like it's yeah, just so different care. from now. There's so much risk with that. Once you think about what if he leaves and he gets hit by a car, or he jumps off a bridge or you know, or he dies because he has a panic attack or a heart attack or something like I just don't understand legally what they were thinking or the value of that research. What's the value of it? Seriously. And how controlled is it? It's not controlled at all. So there is no value of it, really. It's (laughs) just like the dude ran out the building. It was crazy. LSD is to me is not a mind control drug. It's a mind opening drug. So if anything, it's it's opening you up to everything mm-hmm. versus like making you comply with, you know, a certain Unless ideology it's used to scare you and then therefore control you. It could be that's, used as a controlled drug. That's my, my guess is what they yeah. did is they yeah. were trying to that's freak you doing. the fuck out to the point where you're like, I don't know what's going on. And they're like, it's okay. I'm going to tell you what's going on. And then, you know, that's how they, I guess, get you to maybe be controlled. But or they were just testing different doses. Yeah. doesn't really make any sense. Uh, uh-uh. But among the people who volunteered, so they allowed volunteers to come forth and take LSD, were several famous faces. Oh. The author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Ken Kessie, songwriter for The Grateful Dead, Robert Hunter, wow. and poet Allen Ginsberg all got their first experiences with LSD from Dr. Gottlieb's experiments. And these influential people, along with others, started spreading the word about the pleasurable effects of LSD. So they gave those guys like a normal dose of it, mm. or they just knew that they were getting LSD. And therefore they had a good experience with or them. they just were surrounded by good things. And, yeah. You know, or they like got some, it's all about like your mind somewhere else. Yeah. It's set. So much of it is setting too. like mm-hmm. an office building is not the, no. the best setting for that. <laughs> Even Ted Kaczynski, the future Unabomber was 17 years old when he was in his second year at Harvard. He volunteered for a psychological study with Dr. Henry Murray Dr. Murray was a professor at Harvard, but he had also been secretly recruited by the CIA and Project MK Ultra. 
this is like a really big conspiracy is that some of the most horrific things that have happened in history, especially with criminals and, and, you know, mass shooters and things like that is that they are somehow a product of MK ultra, which I find really interesting. And obviously there's not like direct links or evidence for that, mm-hmm. but the fact that Ted Kaczynski was in, you know, essentially participated in the project it is very interesting. And then he went on to do what he did. It, it does definitely make you think a little bit about uh-huh. that for sure. But the purpose of the study was to test how people responded emotionally during stressful interrogations. Ted endured 200 hours of psychological torture over three years, which obviously that's going to mess you up. Yeah. You've got to have PTSD after that. Yeah. Researchers learned about the participants, most deeply held beliefs and then spent hours aggressively and systematically tearing them apart. So awful. Can you imagine? No, I really can't. I mean, in a, in some ways, like interrogation methods just by police, they kind of mm-hmm. do that to some extent. Not not as, right. as strongly as mm-hmm. that, but they extent. definitely kind of like try to, to break you down a bit. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they do sometimes, mm-hmm. especially after hours and hours and hours. Right. And then you end up saying what they want you to say. Mm-hmm. Getting control of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or try to just elicit an extreme emotional response to what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, to show like I'm guilty of the crime or, or whatever. Right. But afterward, Ted became withdrawn and reclusive. He eventually moved to a remote cabin in Montana without running water or electricity. Ted's belief system warped into nihilism. Politically, he was strongly opposed to capitalism and he wanted to bring down the industrial technological system. He then used these beliefs to justify his acts of terrorism that involved sending bombs through the mail, killing three people. Damn. He ended up writing a lengthy manifesto explaining his beliefs and actions and experts at his trial agreed that what he wrote reflected the trauma he had experienced during that Harvard study, AKA project MK ultra. So like we mentioned at the beginning, they definitely went to prisons in order to look for subjects for their experiments. And one of those individuals was James Bulger, who was a Boston mobster who suffered from schizophrenia. And when he was in an Atlanta prison in 1957, he actually volunteered for one of these experiments because he was told it was part of an effort to cure the disorder. That's that's what's just so fucked up about it is like people that are suffering from schizophrenia. That's already terrible in itself. And to then be told that, oh, yeah, there's this experimental method in order to cure your disorder, just straight up lying to them is just so messed up. But James ended up being injected with high doses of LSD every day for over a year to test the long term effects of using it consistently. According to James, the effect that this had on him literally made him feel like he was going mad. He actually wrote, I was in prison for committing a crime, but they committed a greater crime on me. And I have to say, I feel like I agree with that because couldn't even imagine being dosed with LSD every day for a year and high doses. I'm sure he didn't learn the real motive for the experiment until years later. And when he did, he vowed to kill the prison doctor who had tortured him. Now, Dr. Gottlieb actually set up a number of secret detention centers in Europe and East Asia, and they were controlled by the CIA, but they're also under the jurisdiction of countries like Germany, Japan, and the Philippines. This meant that Dr. Gottlieb and his associates could completely ignore American laws, but they were likely often in violation of international laws. Enemy agents, spies, and other expendable people were captured and brought to these detention centers. The victims were kept in small cells and given dangerous drug cocktails. Like their American counterparts, they were given electric shock therapy and a mix of other physical and psychological tortures. They were exposed to extreme temperatures through hot cold switches and barraged with constant questions to break down any resistance they may have. 
Victims experience forced sensory deprivation, also called perceptual isolation, which involves removing all stimuli. And when the experience lasts for a long time, it can cause hallucinations, severe anxiety, depression, delusional thoughts, and a total loss of ability to think or reason. That just sounds horrible. Yeah, it really does. Forced sensory deprivation. So, oh my God. Yeah, you literally just go crazy because you like can't deal with your surroundings. You can't deal with the environment anymore. It gets to a point where I don't even know. I can't you don't even, even like understand like. your environment or recognize yeah. it. Like I feel like the only way you could try to make yourself feel that is like go lock yourself in a closet for a day, the whole day, or maybe more. Yeah, like, I don't you probably need like a close week close to feeling like yeah. that from that. Yeah, yeah. God, I just feel hungry and bored. Yeah. In the closet all day. But how long, how long are you able to just like go through thoughts in your head until, you know, until you get to a point where you run out of things to think about and all you start thinking about is where you're at in, you know, the environment around you. And then if you knew that you were like locked in there, yeah, I was going to say you would have last like (laughs) 10 minutes and were like, I'm bored. Let me out. I know. I haven't the attention span. What if I locked you, locked you in in your closet? In our yeah, bedroom. I'd be hungry and bored. Let's try it. Kendall in the closet for 24 hours. <laughs> we'll hell? film it and see how it goes. Can I have some weed at least? No. 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 Absolutely no. not. Absolutely not. Sober, Sally. The whole time. <laughs> that sounds honestly terrible. So imagine like days, weeks, months, years. That's terrible. In this type of it's environment. torture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why do you think so many people go crazy when they're in solitary confinement? Right. Uh, that's like, so true. Same type of thing. If you don't have any sort of stimuli, like... You know, not no visual, no auditory. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing for you to process. Your brain is, you know, we're naturally looking for things to, you know, react to. And if yeah. there's no stimuli around us to react to, I think that we're naturally going to go crazy. Especially being locked up with something like you're saying with no stimuli. Like it'd be one thing to even be like, you know, in Castaway, he's you know on the island alone. Right. But right. at least he's you got the ocean and he's got stuff to do. He's getting his dinner ready. And you know, if you're just sitting there. In a yeah. cell. I can't imagine how crazy I mean, you'd go. And even those guys at so least quick. get like a book or something. Like they get some stuff usually. Mm-hmm. But still, Sometimes. I mean, 23 hours in a cell is going to. fucks you up. It's going to, yeah. It's kind of like that thing in Orange is the New Black, the, the hole. The hole. And that's Which really what a, they call it in prison? Yeah, that's an actual real thing that they do. Okay. Like if you if you misbehave in punishment. solitary confinement, what else are they going to do? They'll put you in the hole, which is basically sensory deprivation there's nothing you're mm-hmm. in most of the times in, sitting in the dark in a or box sometimes you're straight outside yeah i really can't imagine what that in the heat mentally how does that help anything it doesn't it's punishment no. it's pure torture and punishment yeah, there's no rehabilitation really to that at all there's nothing positive that comes from that but through these experiments dr gottlieb and his associates sought to better understand the human mind they said and how it worked and what motivated it but ultimately, they wanted to know what could destroy it. This just seems like a mad scientist yeah. doing evil experiments. There's nothing positive happening Mm-mm. out of Project Ultra at all. And this whole time, there's no oversight. He had no oversight by anybody above him to what he was doing, and he was not required to keep detailed or accurate records. In fact, those who were technically in charge didn't want to know what he was up to. What the fuck? <laughs> How is this possible? This happens so much, man. Mm-hmm. This is like just one example, but there's so many mm-hmm. projects that have no oversight by Damn. the ones in charge, you know, uh-huh. people in charge. What are they even going to do? Yeah, seriously. 
But the general consensus was that the United States had to achieve mind control no matter the cost to attain global power over all enemies. Yeah, because that's the end of the day. That's what we want. The United States wants global domination. Every, I feel like every superpower in the world wants global domination. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense. But to ramp up MKUltra, the CIA hired people who led similar human experiments in Japanese and Nazi concentration camps as advisors. That's so fucking horrible. These men included seasoned torturers, medical doctors, and vivisectionists, which are people who perform operations on live animals for the purpose of experimentation. It's basically just evil. They're just torturing animals in the name of scientific experimentation. And some of them were brought to Fort Derrick in Maryland to consult on the use of poisonous gases like sarin, which is a chemical weapon and a powerful nerve agent. CIA officers were particularly interested in how long it took victims to die from sarin exposure. In most experiments, the researchers continued to ramp up their methods until they achieved the desired results in their subjects. They even tried to use electroshock therapy or extrasensory perception to implant messages into patients' brains through telepathy. They tested the most effective methods for causing severe physical side effects. These included inducing a heart attack, causing acute twitches or spasms, and inciting debilitating cluster headaches. Patients were exposed to magnetic fields to try to alter their subconscious minds into ultrasonic vibrations. These are high-frequency sound waves that humans can't consciously hear. People who are sensitive to electric or magnetic fields can experience a wide range of symptoms, including epileptic seizures, convulsions, headaches, lethargy, sleep disorders, and random unexplained pains throughout the body. Some experiments even involved exposure to radiation, which symptoms of radiation poisoning or radiation sickness start within minutes of exposure, and it affects the blood vessels, bone marrow, intestines, and stomach. Victims experienced severe skin damage with blisters and sores all over the body. They had serious digestive issues like nausea, diarrhea, and vomiting, as well as cell damage that may cause permanent hair loss. And without treatment, victims are vulnerable to infections and internal bleeding, which can lead to death. So all of these things have permanent damage to them. And, and you know, at the very beginning, we had those poor women that said that they were, you know, subjects into these experiments. I mean, mm-hmm. they may have, who knows what they endured during those programs. Oh, I know. And they probably don't even remember because It'd be so interesting to get one of them on the show. I yeah. wonder if any of them I don't know. would be interested. Maybe once this pandemic's over, we can yeah. try to make that happen. Yeah, I'd have a lot of questions. Yeah, I would. But I feel like a lot of them don't remember, mm-hmm. you know, specific. You know, I think I guess some of them probably remember specific things. Yeah, but maybe you got to wonder if they're at all afraid to speak. Yeah. I don't know. Or what if they're implanted memories or like there there could be. You know, there's, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not, you know? Yeah. But it would still be interesting to just hear from someone who went through it, whether they recall it correctly or not, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Now this is just so messed up, but people targeted for these experiments were often the most vulnerable members of society. For example, terminal cancer patients were used for chemical experimentation because researchers knew they wouldn't live long enough to suffer from the long-term side effects. And those with mental health disorders were also targeted. In one case, a patient in a psychiatric hospital in Kentucky was dosed with LSD for 174 days. Damn. And you got so long. And it's not like they were probably giving them the same dose. They were given because you build a resistant to Mm -hmm. it. I mean, Mm -hmm. after 
one time of doing it, the, if you do it the next day, it's going to at the same dosage, it's going to have a lesser effect because that's just how your brain builds a resistance to it. So over 174 days, you got to imagine they're upping the dosage of it. Absolutely. I mean, that's how they're experimenting, seeing how much this will do, how much will this do compared to the day before, how much. So it's, yeah. Push, push, Oh my push, gosh. Push. Imagine how messed up your brain would be after yeah. 174 days of LSD. Oh my gosh. It's permanently altering is what, what it's doing. What the hell? I'm surprised you'd still be alive. Like that's just so in- intense. Yeah. I mean, you're going into you're like an, exhausted. It's got to mess up your yeah. sleep cycle and everything, everything. Yeah. You would literally lose who you are. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, one, one of the side effects is ego death. I mean, you can literally mm-hmm. lose who you yes. are. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. And after 174 days, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to know who you are. No. And if you're being told things and you know, in this experiment, it's, they're gonna, it's, it's horrifying. It's, a nightmare. Another experiment in Kentucky involved giving seven volunteers LSD for 77 days in a row. Sex workers and drug addicts were easy targets for MKUltra experiments as well. These populations were more likely to be desperate and easily manipulated, and it was less likely that anyone would come checking up on them or that the authorities would even take notice. These groups are you know, at risk for pretty much everything. They yeah. are targeted by criminals. and Yeah, it's unfortunate yeah. that that's like human nature, mm-hmm. you know, heroin addicts were even bribed into participating. Researchers essentially paid them in heroin after dosing them with LSD, but researchers didn't stop with the marginalized populations. Drug experiments were conducted on government agents, CIA employees, military members, and people in the general public. After people were secretly dosed with LSD, researchers locked them in isolation chambers and kept them under bright lights. Oh my God. That, oh, that is just so terrible. Really is. Locked with bright lights over you while you're just just tripping beyond belief. That's that's so freaky. I can't even picture it. They then would be interrogated and sometimes forced to take polygraph tests as they were questioned. They were told that if they didn't confess their secrets, everything they were experiencing would continue indefinitely. Cult shit. This is straight up torture. Mm-hmm. The experiments conducted by Project MK Ultra were 100% torture. Mm-hmm. Put out by our government. By so the many CIA. people don't understand yep. that yep. that happens. After a subject was thrown into a state of complete confusion and disillusionment, they were led to believe that the torture would stop if they complied. This accomplished the illusion that the subject was causing their own pain and that they had control over it. Dr. Lewis West spent decades secretly researching the effects of LSD and effectively torturing his subjects. In his medical practice, he baffled his colleagues with his frequent use of chemical agents to treat patients. And during the Korean War, the U.S. government recruited Dr. West to deprogram former prisoners of war who were believed to have been brainwashed by the enemy. This was the first introduction of the word brainwashed into the English language. Dr. West studied 83 prisoners of war and claimed that 56 of them had been brainwashed into making false confessions. By deprogramming these prisoners of war, Dr. West and his associates helped them integrate back into society. He helped convince them to deny their previous claims that they had used biological warfare. In the mid-1950s, he was the head of psychiatric services at Lackland Air Force Base near San Antonio, Texas, and led the psychiatric department at the University of Oklahoma School of Medicine. Dr. West conducted experiments for MKUltra at the base hospital, local prisons, and other facilities. Some of his subjects were paid volunteers, and other were unconsenting participants in his experiments. 
I just can't believe they, they did this to unconsenting people. It's just yeah, crazy. It's pretty insane to think about. And not only that, they would target people who exhibited mental disorders and disassociative disorders such as amnesia, memory lapses, or prolonged experiences in a trance-like state. And given Dr. West's fascination with LSD, it's not surprising that he frequently consulted with the black sorcerer, Dr. Gottlieb, on his experiments. In one correspondence to Dr. West, Dr. Gottlieb wrote, My good friend, I'd been wondering whether your apparent rapid and comprehensive grasp of our problems could be possibly real. You have indeed developed an admirably accurate picture of exactly what we are after. For this, I am deeply grateful. We have gained quite an asset in the relationship we are developing with you. And Dr. West replied, it makes me very happy to realize that you consider me an asset. Surely there is no more vital undertaking conceivable in these times. With his human experiments, Dr. West had several specific goals, and he used psychotropic drugs and hypnosis to test his methods. While under hypnosis, subjects were pushed into a state of severe anxiety and expected to understand challenging concepts and recall complex information. That sounds like my nightmares coming true. That's so terrible. Fucking with people's consciousness is just... Especially people that already have anxiety. Yeah. The hell? That, that, or some other condition. It's torture. It's yeah, literally torture, it and they're being allowed to do this. Dr. West's goal was to crack the formula for the truth serum. Once he discovered how to force people to confess, he planned to erase, alter, and implant memories. He also studied ways to cause certain mental disorders in previously healthy patients. In 1956, Dr. West wrote a paper claiming to have accomplished erasing human memories and replacing them with false ones. It's unlikely that he obviously accomplished this, but he did make progress through his research. He found that forced sleep deprivation and inhumane lengths of time spent in complete isolation made hypnosis more effective on his subjects. LSD, on the other hand, made it harder to bring people under hypnosis. One of Dr. West's patients was airman named Jimmy Shaver. Jimmy suffered from severe migraines that were completely debilitating. In 1954, the Air Force put him in a two-year experimental drug program that was supposedly studying his condition. Now, while the base kept meticulous records, all the files for the last name starting with S.A. through S.T. from 1954 were never found. On July 4th, 1954, Jimmy was accused of raping and murdering three-year-old Cher Horton. Cher's parents left her and her brother outside while they went into a bar and she was abducted. Less than an hour later, the search party found Jimmy wandering near his car. He was in a daze, shirtless and soaked in blood. He was disoriented and asked what was happening as the search party led him back to the highway. Cher's body was found shortly after in a nearby gravel pit. Her murderer had ripped open her legs, raped her, and broke her neck. Oh my God. Jesus. Jimmy was arrested by the local police, but the military police took him into their custody and he wasn't released to the county jail until after being questioned by an Air Force Marshal and two military doctors. He was actually questioned throughout the night, and Jimmy insisted he was innocent, but he didn't have any memory of the night before. When months went by and he still didn't remember anything that had happened, Colonel Robert Bray, the hospital commander, ordered a psychiatric evaluation by none other than Dr. West. Over two weeks, Dr. West gave Jimmy injections of sodium pentothal, also known as truth serum. Against protocol, he put Jimmy under hypnosis. Under the influence of truth serum, Jimmy experienced a recovered memory of his own childhood sexual assault and eventually confessed to Cher's rape and murder. The interview with Dr. West was recorded, and the tapes were used in court. However, the entire middle portion of the interview was not recorded. 
and the tapes used as evidence against Jimmy, Dr. West's questions were extremely leading. His actual confession supposedly happened during the non-recorded portion. Of course, convenient, right? Uh Jimmy spent his days in court in a trance-like state. Despite having previously confessed, he maintained his innocence throughout the trial. He ended up being found guilty and executed by the electric chair in 1958. And many people believe that Dr. West's experiments on Jimmy's mind caused him to murder Cher while in a hypnotic state. If this is the case, then Dr. West, the CIA, and Project MKUltra are responsible for both deaths and the complete devastation of their family. I was going to say they should be definitely held responsible if that is the case. No, all that got swept under the rug. Yeah. We were thinking of, we were talking about that last week or maybe the week before. I don't remember. We were talking about, you know, commit, if you commit a murder and you're like on something or someone's drugged you or, yeah, yeah, or you're possessed or, you know, or you're cursed. That's what we were talking about. It was mummy last week. Yeah. Uh, Should you be responsible if something else caused you to, to do it? It's very complicated. Yeah, it, but in this case, I really think so because yeah. clearly something happened there, and right. the whole sketchiness of the middle portion of the tapes being no, you gone. Actually, like, point to it with evidence, right? And, yeah, and they the, should be held responsible. Doctor West clearly knew that wow. he had to get rid of the evidence that he—that's crazy—made him essentially do that. But even after this, Doctor West continued his experiments with LSD in the mid 1960s in San Francisco. But along with funding. The projects done by Dr. West, Dr. Gottlieb, the CIA secretly funded other projects for MKUltra experiments as well. Operation Midnight Climax was an experiment to test if LSD mixed with sex could manipulate men into revealing secret information. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Midnight Climax. I like that. Name. Why just men? Why were they just women have orgasms too? Well, I think they were they were trying to figure it out from a military perspective. Like at the time, you know, the people that they would use it on would would have been men most likely. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> question still stands. But. Yeah, it's yeah, a good question. But the CIA implanted agents into three or more San Francisco locations that operated as high end brothels. Agents then hired sex workers to lure men into the brothels where they would be served drinks laced with acid. The men were then watched through two way mirrors and they'd essentially watch their interactions and watch them with the sex workers and they'd film it in order to study it later. The CIA counted on the fact that these men would be reluctant to tell anyone what had happened at the brothel. In another MKUltra experiment, an Asian espionage agent was given high quantities of LSD and then was laid flat on his back. His pulse weakened and he started sweating profusely. He groaned and slipped in and out of consciousness. Researchers tested his pain responses while he was unconscious. They forced him to sit up and then to sit at an interrogation table. The man continued to moan and said he wanted to die. So they interrogated him and forced his eyelids open when he started to nod off. They then made him walk around and this torture continued for 17 and a half hours. In other subjects, concussions were purposely caused by severe head trauma to study the effects on the brain. They're just like, they don't give a fuck. They're just doing whatever the hell they want. Just bashing people in the head. Oh, let's see what this does. To me, to me, I'm like, what are they actually studying? How are they actually studying the effects of this? Like, clearly they know it's going to cause a uh, concussion. If you hit somebody in the head, Mm -hmm. what are they going to just hit, you know, the enemy on the head in order to get a confession from them? Like, I just don't see the logic there, but subjects were hit without warning. In some cases, they experienced total amnesia as a result of the injury. 
But the list of people who were experimenting on goes on and on and on. I mean, there's so many stories out there. We could be here all day talking about all the different people that were given drugs or bashed over the head. But as far as we know, officially, I guess, MK Ultra was responsible for at least two confirmed deaths. I'm sure many more that we don't know about. A psychiatric patient actually died after being injected with the chemical synthetic mescaline derivative. The second confirmed death from Project MKUltra was Dr. Frank Olson, who was a scientist contracted by the military and a biochemist who researched biological weapons. Now, Frank had a documented diagnosis of suicidal thoughts and tendencies, and he knew about Project MKUltra and was morally opposed to it. In November 1953, he attended a party hosted by Dr. Gottlieb in Maryland, and his supervisor served him a drink secretly laced with LSD. And about 20 minutes later, Frank learned that he had been drugged. He had never taken LSD before, so obviously didn't know how it would affect him, and he ended up falling into a deep depressive state and suffering a nervous breakdown. Several days later, he resigned from his position with the CIA because he no longer wanted to participate in the unethical research of biological weapons for the military. CIA agents brought him to the Statler Hotel in New York City, supposedly to evaluate his condition and provide treatment. Nine days later, though, he fell to his death from the 13th story. Now, the CIA doctor who was supposedly keeping watch over him claimed he was asleep when Frank climbed through the hotel window and jumped. However, Frank's son, Eric, investigated his father's death and uncovered evidence that CIA agents threw his father out the window in order to keep him quiet. And why do I believe that? That that totally is what happened. Frank had knowledge of Project MKUltra and the U.S. military's biological weapons being used in the Korean War. So obviously he wanted out and they didn't want him to go out and expose everything that they were doing. So it would make total sense for them to kill him in order to keep him quiet. The CIA actually did an investigation on his death and they confirmed that Frank had been a subject of Dr. Gottlieb's secret LSD experiment and his body was actually exhumed decades later in 1994 and a medical examiner determined that injuries to his skull showed that he had been knocked unconscious before his fatal fall and his official cause of death was actually changed from suicide to homicide in 1975 Olson's family received a $750,000 settlement from the U.S. government and formal apologies from President Gerald Ford and CIA Director William Colby. That's it, though. Nobody gets held responsible for his murder. On November 28, 2012, the Olson family filed a lawsuit against the U.S. federal government for the wrongful death of Frank Olson. However, this lawsuit was dismissed as of July 17, 2013. I feel like that would not happen today. People would probably get charged, is my guess. Or at least get like a good settlement. Yeah, but I mean, he was literally killed by somebody, right. some CIA. Agent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you think like his family or his something? Family, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's just God, and I'm sure this is just one example. You mm-hmm. know, I'm sure there's so many other other situations just like this where people wanted out that were involved in Project MK Ultra, mm-hmm. and the government took care of them because they're like, we don't want these whistleblowers coming out telling all you know basically we were torturing people for years oh i'm sure tons of people came forward i'm sure a lot of people have been silenced over the years by the cia i mean look even youtube google i mean Mm -hmm. it's because they have contracts with 
the government. Yeah. No, they do. So that, that's probably like in their contract with the government is like, please remove anything re- revealing about top secret U.S. government <laughs> programs. I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff that happens behind the scenes mm-hmm. because they don't want that content out there. I mean, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with this podcast. See yeah, if it gets censored. In there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's such a difference when it does get censored. And what we mean by censored is if it's marked as not safe for advertisers, which is what they publicly show us. But we definitely feel like they're putting us on a lot of like restricted lists. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just about the ads. It's like it doesn't get pushed to a lot of new viewers. It's just like half the amount of views as a monetized one. You guys that are subscribed watch it. But then after that, it kind of just like slowly Mm -hmm. dies in a way. It's a way of silencing without like straight up removing things and getting called out for it. Right. But at the end of the day, no one knows exactly how many people were victims of Project MKUltra. But we do know that many people were permanently physically or mentally impaired and some even lost their lives. And what's also crazy though, is that after these countless illegal human experiments on mind control, we don't even know what the result of it was. There's no records of it. They literally destroyed all of it. So what was the point? Why are all those people's lives ruined? It was just straight evil happening. They're just straight. Like, I don't think there was much scientific things happening other than, you know, how long does it, how many years does it take to figure out Mm. if we give people high doses of these drugs, subject them to electroshock therapy on top of that, put them in sensory deprivation rooms. How long does it take to realistically figure out that that doesn't get you the result that they're looking for? Yeah. And I'd assume there'd be some data that'd be useful, right? Why is there not other than any information? All it did in my opinion is give the government reason to start the war on drugs and say, Hey, yeah. these psychedelics are so torture. They're going to, it could totally mm-hmm. mess you up. So therefore we need to make these illegal and keep people from using them. Cause obviously, you know, some of these drugs have positive effects to them that yeah. are now starting to be studied. I mean, they even use psilocybin magic mushrooms in project MK ultra as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they definitely used a wide range of different psychedelics and barbiturates and, and other substances as well that, you know, some of them have gone on to be, you know, actual treatments for, for different things. And, you know, others are really starting to be researched and we're like, oh, wow, it can actually cure depression. Mm-hmm. You know, really help people. Yeah. yeah. And, and even LSD. So it's just, it, I feel like it was kind of this classic fear campaign that they did. And, you know, the government is, you know, obviously distance themselves from it and they don't claim like they, had, we had no knowledge of this and this was some uh, rogue yeah, right. rogue project. It was that massive all crazy. over the world. You really think people believe that? No. And I think there's probably still doing this shit to this day. Maybe not on the grand scale that they were before, but well, it's not over. You got to wonder like some of these missing people that are out there. Like I know I was going to say that. I can't imagine it's all like criminals or even no. human trafficking. Like there's the no, numbers a lot are of it massive. Is, but yeah. Yeah. You think some of this yeah especially you start thinking about the national parks which we have talked yeah. about before yeah, i'm not going to get there? into it right now yeah. this episode's already so long but we have done an episode on missing 411 mm-hmm. that whole thing but there's a lot of government bases around these parks and they're national yeah. parks you know monitored by the government run by the government yeah. a lot of people have gone missing in these parks in really strange circumstances and yeah i mean there's a lot to it look into it but it's one I mean, possibility so many for people sure. who are missing. And I think, 
yeah, why well, I, I bet a lot of people ended up in these experiments and maybe some people were so messed up that they didn't let them leave. Yeah. You know, or they yeah. didn't want word to get out or right. imagine people that didn't even survive. I'm sure there were people who didn't survive that we don't know of. I'm sure it's so, so much it's worse so than we that, even know. Yeah. Like this is probably barely scratching the surface. Absolutely. You know? This is like, and this is just what's been reported on. I mean, all the shit that's not been reported on the mm-hmm. number of people mm-hmm. and victims is probably just, Massive. it would, it would, it would cause a mass panic. I yeah, think if, I think if so too. the public really knew what happened during project MK ultra yeah. and that like, you know, there's a reason they, they don't really teach you much about this in school or, or what a elsewhere. shame they took those interviews down. That's so disrespectful. Yeah. Well, they're probably like, Oh, it's just all fake. There's no, uh, ver- yeah. you can't verify them. Okay. fake news, you know, take it down. Those and- video clips were taken in like the, it looked like the nineties or eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Really? It was, old. Yeah. It was like 20, 30 years after. Yeah, so what were they doing? Making an internet hoax back then? Like well, what's, what's, what's the, the point, point of their yeah. videotapes? It's uploaded from the And they past. all have similar experiences yeah. and there's so many connections there mm-hmm. that it's no, just No, I like, believe them. Absolutely. Yeah. But what's crazy is that these doctors weren't held accountable. Like Dr. Gottlieb, after he left project MK ultra, he led another CIA program that developed poisons and, new technologies for us spies. Like he got to just continue working after the project dissolved. Wow. Nothing happened to these doctors that were literally torturing people. It's absolutely insane. But in 1973, the head of the CIA was Richard Helms and he was removed by president Nixon. And then him and Dr. Gottlieb decided to destroy all the records. Of course they did. So that we have little information. I mean, who knows really what they were doing. This is just what we've known from people that were in it. And the little bit of documentation that we have. So man, I, I sure hope that they're not torturing people like this still, but I guess it's still a possibility, unfortunately, but you guys will have to let us know what you think of project MK ultra. Uh, yeah. What do you think about all of this? Do you think that, you know, these people should be held accountable today? Like, should we be like out there be like, you know, hold these doctors accountable, hold the CIA accountable for it. I wonder how many of them are even still alive. Probably not many, if if any of them. It's probably all dead and gone at this point. But how do we know? My point is, how do we know that the CIA isn't doing things like this now? We, our transparency <laughs> with the, the intelligence agencies is little to none. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't know about the NSA spying on Americans until, no. you know, uh, WikiLeaks and Snowden and all of that. And then, you know, with Dr. Greer's film, Unacknowledged, he talked about how much money goes to unacknowledged projects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in his how much film, money gone, disappeared yeah. from the military budget the right budget? before 9 11, like, like the day chunk. before? Yeah. So many things, man. Know. So many things. But yeah, let us know what you guys think. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode of the Malhar podcast. <laughs> if you did, subscribe. Yes. And you can go subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. That really yes, helps us out if you do. are watching on YouTube only. It really Just helps go do it. It takes a minute yeah. and it does really help us out just helps us get you know more exposure and yeah ultimately helps the performance of the show so we'd really appreciate it but until next time stay safe and stay woke